I'm Terrence C. Gannon, and this is the Not There Yet podcast, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Artificial ignorance. Could machine intelligence enable our darker impulses? The judge, even in traffic court, sits on a raised platform that ensures that you look up at him and he looks down on you. It's majestic and intimidating. This was my impression as I entered the courtroom to fight a speeding ticket I had received a few weeks previously. It's not that I didn't think I had been speeding when I had been caught doing exactly that, but rather I wanted to test the notion that the state still has to make its case. They have to provide evidence, the absence of which means the guilty get to go free. And thus hung my entire defense. If the evidence was either absent or the validity of it cast into doubt, the $120 would stay in my pocket and not that of the crown, as we quaintly call it here in Canada. My brilliant legal strategy? To question the accuracy of the radar gun that supported the charge. I would do so simply by asking for some evidence that the gun had been accurately calibrated within a reasonable period of that fateful Saturday morning. No such evidence, case dismissed. The moment came and I presented my legal coup de grace, which was accepted with a weird combination of surprise and pity. In fact, no evidence of the accuracy of the radar gun could be produced, and I figured I was off the hook. Not so fast, Clarence Darrow. The judge's comment was to the effect that while it's possible that the radar gun was inaccurate, it probably wasn't. He explained carefully to the court that he had the good word of the officer to go by, and that was good enough for him. In the end, the outcome was not preordained, but nonetheless certain. Guilty, said the judge. Please pay the fine, sir. The judge went on to say that if I didn't like the result, I was more than welcome to appeal to a higher court. Go for it, was the invitation and the admonishment all at once. Surprisingly, I was not unhappy with the outcome. In fact, I was reassured by the fact that the judge had it right. The radar gun probably was accurate. I had been speeding. An officer who was courteous and respectful had executed his duties with integrity and professionalism. The judge had exercised judgment, taking all of the relevant factors into account, and based on his vast experience, had made the right decision. Although it was anecdotal in nature and microscopic in scale, my contact with the system had shown that it worked. I had been judged fairly. This whole scenario, which had occurred quite a number of years prior, popped instantly into my head as I ate breakfast recently with one of the smartest people I know. In particular, my friend Patrick is an expert on the white-hot field of artificial intelligence, AI, and if I was going to learn anything about the subject, I would do well to eat while he spoke and sponge up the knowledge if I could. What sent me back to that crowded traffic court years previously was his description of one of the most impressive and scary uses of so-called expert systems in handing out court sentences in modern courtrooms. He went on to say that in a growing number of jurisdictions, these systems are already in use. They are used to wade through the mountain of relevant data for a particular case, and the software makes a recommendation to the judge as to the appropriate sentence. In turn, The judge has the final say as to whether the sentence is just, assuming he has time for that. My retrospective fear, of course, is that such a system, or its AI-enabled progeny, 
would have been present at my silly speeding case experiment. If the likelihood of speeding again in the future had been rolled into the sentencing process, well, let's just say a more persuasive monetary penalty might have been imposed. Less funny is that a perceived pattern of blatant disregard for the law of this kind would eventually be matched up with the text of my increasingly shrill, exasperated letters to various levels of government about a litany of issues, large and small. The correlation of the two, some future AI might decide, makes me a potential troublemaker. Better keep an eye on this guy. What Patrick said to me next was the most chilling, though. Instead of a machine-like disinterest and impartiality in the cases in which it was used, which one would visualize as a good thing, the systems were already seeming to inherit some of the cultural biases that were present in the human practitioners of the same art. In fact, one defendant was already in the process of suing the developer of the software because of the unjust sentence he felt he was handed by their system and endorsed by the all-too-human judge. Most appropriately, the defendant in that convict's lawsuit would have been the software firm's algorithm, but it's tricky to depose a bit of code. Who knows, though? When such sentencing systems acquire AI, and that is the trajectory they're on, maybe it could be put on the stand and called upon to account for itself. As it stands now, though, the algorithm that handed out the sentence is proprietary and therefore not available for inspection. In effect, the plaintiff's sentence was based on a black box. The case continues. AI systems are not programmed to produce a defined output based on a defined input, as is traditionally the case for software. Rather, they are programmed to learn. In fact, not just to learn, but to do deep learning, which to some degree models the way humans learn. The difference, of course, is that machine learning happens at an astonishing pace, orders of magnitude faster than any human. It can also be based on an infinite amount of data of which it has perfect recall. In effect, you take human intellectual evolution, enable it with superhuman capabilities, and crank it up to 11 and see how the human race might be thinking about things 10,000 years from now. It's learning on amphetamines, and therefore it's hard to predict the nature of the intelligence which ultimately results. We might hope that AI would arc towards sunny enlightenment. However, the human pursuit of that, as Kennedy said, is to do things not because they are easy, but because they are hard. On the face of it, to pursue the seemingly illogical higher, harder path. Machine intelligence, looking at the same set of facts, may not engage in this hopelessly optimistic tilt. Back to my breakfast with my learned friend, inevitably we talked of the notion of AI self-awareness and the Star Trek Prime Directive. If that's the turn a conversation takes, it's really just a matter of time before the participants start talking about HAL 9000 in 2001, A Space Odyssey. He and I spoke of and marveled at how Wright, Clark, and Kubrick seemed to have got it so many years ago. In a pivotal scene, the computer HAL determines the actions of the astronaut Dave Bowman are not in its best interest and seeks to take him out by refusing an order to open the pod bay doors. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. What's the problem? I think you know what the problem is just as well as I do. What are you talking about, Hal? This mission is too important for me to allow you to jeopardize it. 
Hal eerily delivers this line with programmed, this-won't-hurt-a-bit empathy as Bowman attempts to re-enter the spaceship after an excursion. The subsequent scene where the astronaut begins to unplug Hal gives you a real sense that something, perhaps someone, is being killed starting with the prefrontal cortex. It's quietly terrifying and deeply disturbing because you are really not sure who is right. If Hal really did have the best interest of the greater mission, then perhaps getting rid of Bowman was the right thing to do. It's one of the great moments of filmmaking and one that has stayed with me since I first saw it when I was seven. The rest of 2001, to this day, is still dense and puzzling, but that moment when Hal starts to pathetically sing Daisy, I really got it. I think most people did. The message was overwhelming. If you make machines too smart, someday they might just try to outsmart you. Yes, I'd like to hear it, Hal. Sing it for me. It's called Daisy. Think of it for a moment. If self-driving cars routinely get flipped over and are left to bake in the sun in a bad neighborhood, could you blame the constantly learning AI that runs them from avoiding those neighborhoods? What are we to make of that software if it prejudges the rest of the vast majority of perfectly upstanding citizens in that same neighborhood when it refuses to pick them up? The AI is simply using cold logic to run the numbers and determine the odds of not getting flipped over and stripped bare if it chooses a different route and a different kind of passenger. Regardless of how logical a path it used to get there, the AI is beginning to reflect the ugly underbelly of the society in which it exists. Tragically, it's becoming like us. We can't help but have some empathy for the cartoon bug Waymo car as it runs away from Wiley Coyote. When horrific, atrocious crimes against humanity are studied after the fact, one of the most horrific aspects of all is often the utter banality of the processes and procedures put in place to perpetrate these crimes. An overworked clerk updating neatly written ledgers of last name, first name, serial number, and grainy, black-and-white, desperately awful headshots is not outwardly an image of a monster at work. Rather, it's of a human being that has selectively parsed their world and their work. They do this in small incremental steps over time in order that they may simply live with themselves. It's not willing participation as much as it is willful ignorance. Compartmentalization at its complete worst. The more abstract it can be made, the greater the horrors that can be made tolerable by an outwardly civilized appearing society. So what if a legal asteroid were to hit the Earth where millions of cases must be heard quickly while providing a promised degree of due process? What might we do to make the whole sordid affair palatable to a population desperate for simple solutions to seemingly intractable problems? Enter the entrepreneur who, motivated by nothing more noble or sinister than making a buck and enabled by a narrow reading of ideology, might propose a shortcut a system which can exercise seemingly human-like but nonetheless artificial judgment in these cases and do it in an automated manner? Would it be all too easy for us to shrug our shoulders, look away, 
then walk away and sleep soundly at night? If the neatly written ledger enabled otherwise decent people to do wholly indecent things, automated judgment has the same potential, but in an infinitely scalable way. Making matters worse, imagine a future where there is no neat ledger and no human to eventually contemplate the horrors it represents. Finally, what if those AI systems fused into some sort of global intelligence, intellectually advanced 10,000 years into the future, were to weigh in on some of the most divisive problems of our age? While fanciful, there is nothing in that scenario which requires us to invent anything new. All of the building blocks are already in place. What if we were to ask that intelligence about climate change or gun control or abortion and it gave us some sort of definitive right answer for each? Will we, or rather half of us in each case, be willing to accept these missives? Will our illogical mind reject them because they are so at odds with our core but provably illogical beliefs? Or how about an advanced AI that looks at Spaceship Earth and concludes its 7 billion astronauts actually are the problem? That they contribute nothing, yet threaten the greater mission of the planet? Now further imagine that the neurons of that intelligence extend into the infrastructure that we routinely rely on to sustain our lives. The AI genie is out of the bottle and there is no turning back. As new, literally earth-shattering technologies have been introduced over millennia, there has been the inevitable, well-intended discussion about using each only for good and not evil. However, we have a virtually unblemished record of never getting that to work in practice. They are all in use for good and evil. All of them are a potent, seductive combination of blessing and curse in equal measure. However, I'm an optimist. I take consolation in the frailties and limitations of the human race. The AI god, monster, won't be the end of civilization as we know it. I'm confident we will continue stumbling toward the future and fumbling with the switch in a uniquely human, imperfect way. I'm Terence C. Gannon, and I'm not there yet. Thank you so much for listening. I want to take a brief moment to announce that the Not There Yet podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network powered by ATB. This is a great new initiative dedicated to the support and development of high-quality, independent podcasts produced in our home of beautiful Alberta, Canada. It's well worth your time checking out the members' podcasts, which can all be found in one place at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Just the way it sounds, no spaces. Not There Yet is a regular series of short essays podcasted from the second decade of the 21st century. They are all written and read by me, and the entire production is wholly owned by Interlog Inc. of Calgary, Canada. All rights are reserved. If you like what you've heard, please rate the show on iTunes. It really helps build the audience, which means I get to keep doing this. As mentioned a moment ago, we're proud to be a member of the new Alberta Podcast Network. APN is powered by ATB, and let me take a moment to explain a little. ATB is a financial institution, sort of like a bank, but better in many ways, here in beautiful Alberta, Canada, where the Not There Yet podcast is based. 
ATB has stepped in to directly support the Alberta Podcast Network, which in turn directly supports this show. This means I can keep bringing you the Not There Yet essays on into the future. To find out why ATB is like a bank, but better, please check them out at atb.com listens. They really deserve a moment of your time. I truly and humbly thank them for their support. Thank you again for listening and we'll be back soon with another episode. Subscribe to the podcast to know exactly when. Until then, remember it's the journey, not the destination. It doesn't really matter if you're not there yet.